Welcome back in here on a Thursday on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Joining us now, as he does every single Thursday at this time, is our guy from WBZ News Radio in Boston, Adam Coffin. Adam, what's up, man? How are you? Doing okay. How about yourself? I'm, I'm doing okay as well. You know, we were just talking about the Patriots and Julio Jones, and we've been talking mm-hmm. about this all week. Um, what do you think of the fit, and what would you be willing to give up? Well, have we consulted with Shannon Sharp? What what does he think? Because he's he seems to have the inside track on all things Julio Jones, whether Julio's interested or not. Uh, I I think the fit would be great. I mean, I, I have said this to you several times over, going back to just you know throughout the off season and the draft, and uh, many times Julian Edelman's retirement. They just they don't have a clear cut number one wide receiver. You know, obviously they they have some good pieces in. Uh, Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar and those acquisitions, uh, you know, continuing to develop and and build the Jacoby Myers presence. Uh, I haven't given up hope that that Nikhil Harry can mm-hmm. can be a, a a decent contributor anyway. But they don't have that clear number one. Like to me, this offense is one that will seem to revolve around the two tight end set in Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry, and that's not a problem. I, I think that could be a very good thing and a good way of building things, provided the Cam Newton is your starting quarterback. But you don't have a guy that, unless Myers morphs into this guy or Aguilar really goes crazy, to me you don't have that guy who is even a threat, let alone a borderline guarantee for a 1,000-yard season. You add a Julio Jones, especially a healthy one, He's got it. He's there. We're not making nearly enough of of a big deal over the fact that Julio Jones last year had almost 800 receiving yards and he only played nine games. Yeah. I mean, the guy is a game changer. Even at 32 years old, he is a game changer. So uh, any team, any team could justify making room for a Julio Jones within their offense. Now, not every team could afford to acquire him and could make it work with the salary cap. But show me a team that wouldn't want a Julio Jones. So I like the fit. Of course, I like the fit. As far as what I'd be willing to give up, I don't think you need to part with a first rounder. And according to the reports that are out there, most people seem to agree with that. But a second, you gave up a second rounder for his old teammate, Muhammad Sanu. Yeah. You know, I, I could very easily justify giving up a second rounder and, and more, quite frankly, a second and a fourth, the second, and a yeah. fifth. I don't know. I mean, you could you could give something up in terms of draft pick compensation that that is worth the Falcons' wild, considering there's not a whole lot of negotiation power that they have. Sure, they they could keep him and just say, "Sorry, we're not trading you. You're staying." You know, kind of a an Aaron Rodgers Packers type situation in some ways. But it seems to me that he has made it very clear. We heard it on live television yes. that he wants out. That he is leaving. And the Falcons need to move him to avoid any sort of backlash and distraction. I think that's a, a reasonable get. And then you hand your offense over to Calvin Ridley, obviously, and Pitts as well. Before I go to the Celtics, let me get you on something fun here. So I got my intern here, 21 years old, 22 years old. He claims to be a diehard Patriots fan. Diehard yeah. Patriots fan. He walks in today in a Tom Brady Buccaneers jersey. Fair or foul? <laughs> I Look, I don't like it. And, and I, I say that as someone who admittedly, I didn't pay for it. it. It was given to me, but I didn't throw it away or something. I do have a, a Tom Brady Buccaneers bobblehead. I don't okay. feel good about it. I don't feel good about it, but I, I do have it. Um, I, I know people, I know a lot of people. I know I have a lot of friends who are Patriots fan, you know, fans that, that invested in, in 
Tom Brady actual jerseys, jerseys, you know, for them, for their kids. Like we're we're Bucks families now. Like just so so you know hard on the Tom Brady train. At least come the postseason anyway, or, or throughout much of the regular season last year as well on Sundays. But yeah, you know, it's it's not for me. That's that's yeah. nothing against Tom Brady. You know, I appreciate all that he did in his two decades in New England. I'm just not all of a sudden, you know, a, a huge Bucks fan at, <laughs> at all. We've we've talked about that in the past. So uh, you know, I I I can't see myself sporting that, but I I guess I don't totally blame the people that do. Well, I'm with you, and he's going to get taken to task for it, I think, later in the show. So we'll have to uh, discuss that with him. So we're talking with Adam Kaufman, WBZ News Radio in Boston. Okay, the Celtics are down two games to none. They were blown out the other day. Like, whether they lose by four or by 40, I'm not surprised that they're losing. So that's Mm -hmm. not really what's interesting to me. What's interesting is Kyrie Irving, of course. Um, What did you make of his preemptive racism comments saying he didn't want to see racism in Boston? I just didn't understand it. You know, I, yeah. I really didn't understand it. We know that Kyrie Irving thinks differently than a lot of people. And it, you know, I think Kendrick Perkins and I, let's not pretend that I can sit here as, as a, a young white male or middle-aged white male or whatever I'm classified at pushing <laughs> 40 as, you know, someone who, who can, you know, talk about personal experiences with racism in Boston. I can't, but Kendrick Perkins certainly can as a guy who played in Boston and was an opponent in Boston and, you know, continues to obviously uh, work covering the Celtics and and says nothing but good things about Boston. And and he never experienced any level of racism personally. He's not saying it doesn't happen or others haven't experienced it. He's just saying he didn't experience it. But with regard to Kyrie Irving, it just always feels with him like a little extra, like, you know, an effort to change the narrative and, and look success, you know, we're not talking about Kyrie Irving's return to Boston. Now we're talking about the way the crowd is going to handle Kyrie Irving's return to Boston and whether, you know, that was his intention or that of Kevin Durant, who was alongside him and, and, you know, off in the distance, you know, egging him on verbally and, and the two of them laughing about it while they answered a very serious you know, not a serious question. It wasn't a serious question at all. What do you expect returning to Boston to play in front of your old fans for the first time, you know, but turned it into a very serious answer and is, is then laughing about it a little bit. I just, I didn't, I didn't get it. And, and where I think Kyrie Irving is short-sighted is borderline delusional, quite frankly, is, you know, and this is a guy who was famous for ducking his, his former homes. You know, he played yeah. one game in Cleveland against the Cavs in his first game as a Celtic because he couldn't avoid that one and didn't play the rest of his time in Boston any game in Cleveland. He has not yet played in Boston as a member of the Nets. And the pandemic obviously, you know, has had something to do with that as well. And I'm talking about in front of his old fans. So he is a guy that he he likes to avoid confrontation, but he is he's pretty quick to to you know involve controversial things into the conversation and and where i just don't think he he recognizes that he's going to get what is coming to him on friday and sunday in the form of booing and he should be booed and i'm not talking about anything extra i'm not talking about belligerence i'm not talking about subtle racism you know those people if any if if anyone does that they should be reprimanded and take their tickets away and 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 ban them from the garden and and all of that like don't go over the line obviously 
But with respect to just booing him mercilessly for the way that he quit on the Celtics and turned his back on the team in the wake of of telling season ticket holders, you know, I want to resign here and making a commercial with your dad playing in the garden yeah. about retiring 11 to the rafters. He doesn't seem to understand he has brought a lot of this upon himself and he is going to get what is coming to him. And again, nothing over the line, I hope. And those those fans should be uh, you know, held accountable if in fact they do. I, I hope above all hope that we're not after these weekend's games, this weekend's games, talking of anything about the crowd. The crowd hopefully is not part of the story at all because we shouldn't be having a conversation about how well behaved the crowd was. The only conversation we could possibly have about the crowd after this weekend is if something bad happens. The same yeah. the way that we talk about Sixers fans throwing popcorn mm-hmm. on Russell Westbrook, the same way that we talk about you know, a, a fan spitting on, on, on Trey young. Like there's, you don't want to have those conversations. Kyrie Irving. It's just, it feels like just a, another case of him overcomplicating a situation where, you know, for me, I have thought truly, I mean, at this point he's been gone for two years. I have thought for two years about what his return is going to be like and what his what, what the booing is going to be like, what the sound in the garden is going to be like. And I don't think I'm you know completely naive. Never one time, not one time, did racist behavior from the fans enter my yeah. mind. Not, not for one second. And it's the first thing that he went to when asked about just playing in Boston again. And I just, I didn't get it. And, you know, the thing with me is that it felt, as you said, unnecessary and out of place. He's never once referenced that before, right? Like, we heard it from Bill Russell. We heard it from Torrey Hunter. We heard it from Adam Jones. They've referenced it. Kyrie Not has only never referenced it. In 2019, he was asked about it by Mark Murphy of the Globe in the wake of the Herald, pardon me, in the wake of the DeMarcus Cousins incident. Yes. And said he had never experienced it in Boston or even heard about it. Yep. Absolutely. No, I'm with you 100%. Probably, you I'm, I'm just saying it probably hasn't happened since, given the pandemic. Yeah, I, absolutely. I don't know, but there hasn't been a lot of opportunity for it. I'll get you out of here on this. You told us last week um, that you thought the team lacked an assistant coach that had kind of an edge to him. And, you know, you were said, hey, it would be great if Perk could be the assistant coach. Well, Jackie McMullen said not only that yesterday, but she also said the team kind of lacks a player with that kind of edge to mm-hmm. it. And... If you agree with that, is that kind of a failure on Marcus Smart and or Kemba Walker as the veterans on this team to not be that guy? Mm, well, it's definitely not a failure on, on Kemba Walker because, yes, while he's you know a, a vet who's been around a long time and he's 30 or however exactly old he is, he's not that get in your face edge play he, like he's a kumbaya guy like yeah. you know he's like he's always smiling uh, all is right in the world kind of guy he's not he's not a guy who's who's you know you look at those videos of like lebron uh, up in up in a teammate's face that's not kemba walker it's never been kemba walker it's never going to be kemba walker it might not be jason tatum either and i think yeah. uh, with regard to a, a leadership um you know conversation which has been had so often around tatum uh, i'm i'm not sure that Again, he's ever going to develop into that guy. He's much more the lead by example kind of guy, which is fine. But you do need to have those those edge guys. And Marcus Smart, I don't think can do it alone. I think if anything, you know, if you're looking, I'm not saying this is the answer long term, but if you're looking at the current roster, you wanted Tristan Thompson to kind of be that guy. 
the the yeah. guy who's, who's won titles. He's been to championships. He played with LeBron. He knows what he's been around a long time. And it's almost like he came in and not took a back seat per se, but sort of, you know, fell back to, to you know, like, this is, this is Marcus Smart's team and I'm not going to step on any toes. And, and yeah, I'll, I'll say some things and I'll, I'll be vocal with teammates, but, but I'm, I'm not going to be the guy. I'm not going to be the vocal leader of this team. And I'm not faulting him for that. You know, year one, obviously with this team and who knows if he's back next year, but they absolutely are missing that presence leadership on this club top down. It would seem, you know, when I, I say that coaching staff down to the players that are on the court, it's, it's been an issue. And I, I don't know where you find that guy. You would love to see more out of Marcus smart, but how much of that can, can one guy really do alone it's not you know we talk about perk and and what he did with the celtics and uh, i i have no idea how much perk was or wasn't that guy at that stage of his career uh you know the the loud and the snarl and and quite frankly the the persona that that he is now in the media we never saw when he was as a player like he was tight-lipped he was mute he was you know like there was there were never interviews with perk he never said anything you know it's 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 Kevin Garnett, who was that guy, but he was a larger than life presence. You know, there's, there's no larger than life presence who is on this basketball team right now. And and I don't know exactly how you acquire that guy. Adam Kaufman, WBZ news radio in Boston. Adam uh, game three is tomorrow night. I have no idea if there will be a game left to happen by the time we're supposed to talk next week. I have a feeling the Celtics might be out of it by next Thursday. So I'm going to go ahead and advance and say next week will probably be our last conversation for the year. So uh, I look forward to it. We'll do it again in seven days. Well, I guess that wouldn't give us something very exciting to talk about uh, in terms of uh, feeling good, but we'll do our best. Bruins Islanders will have opportunity to talk about them next week. So Adam, we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good.